Grace Community Church in Satterton, Pennsylvania is one of our sister churches and a real delight to be at. We're actually, right now, Ben Ross is preaching there, and uh, our guest speaker, uh, Jeremy Bell, and his wife, Julie, are here with us. He's going to be preaching here this morning, uh, and uh, Jeremy's kids wanted to stay back home because they heard Ben preach at youth camp, and they were so blessed by it, they want to stay there and hear him. So they're kind of divided here this morning. Husband and wife are here, kids are back home. But both love the Word of God preached together. And uh, Jeremy and Julie have been a real blessing to Grace Community Church a number of years ago. Some of you might remember Aaron Osborne was senior pastor there and actually transitioned to go move down to Florida to uh, care for the Sovereign Grace Churches down in the Florida region. And Jeremy was asked to then be the senior pastor of Grace Community and has done such a fine job stepping in and helping to care for that church in that transition. That's not been an easy thing to do, but he's been a real rock and uh, really keeps his eyes on Christ. I just had the honor of having uh, lunch with him uh, about a month ago, and him and I were just talking about pastoral ministry and and uh, his wisdom and his fortitude, his, uh, his love for Christ, his love for the church, the people of God, and also his love for his wife were really just, they just shined out from you, uh, Jeremy, and I'm so thankful. Uh, just to have you as a friend, and as a friend to me personally, and to John and Ben, but also to our church. And so we're so grateful for you to preach the Word of God to us. Jeremy and his wife, Julie, they've just gone through over the last number of years, in this last season, just a real time of difficulty and suffering, just challenges even within their family related to sickness. And um, there's been a real depth that I've perceived in the two of them in Christ that I really think uh, Jeremy and Julie really honors Christ You've been faithful to continue to honor and follow the Lord, even in the midst of much adversity. And uh, one of the things we talk about a lot is, you know, just even in my family, but I think it's something for our church family, is we, we don't want to be fair-weather Christians, do we? Christians that love Jesus when times are sweet, but when times get very difficult, um, you know, we just start to kind of distance ourselves and our hearts from God. Or You guys have done such a great job honoring the Lord and being Christians in all seasons and in all weather. And um, I know we're not in heaven yet. We have a long race to run yet in Jesus. But grace has brought us safe thus far. Amen. And by grace, we, yes. we're going to make it. We're going to make it home, Amen. and God's got us. And But I, I love when I meet Christians that have depth and love for Jesus and love him at all times, even in adversity. And so that was one of the reasons why. Uh, ben, John, and I wanted you guys to come, and Jeremy, for you to preach the word to us and uplift our church family. So can we welcome Jeremy to come as he yeah. preaches Christ to us? Thank you so much, man. Well, I bring greetings from Grace Community Church, as CB just said. Uh, we are the happy recipients of one of your pastors, as Ben is there, and yes, I lose with my kids. They're like, uh, Dad... Sorry, we're listening to Ben. We hear you all the time. And uh, so I, I can't even get my own family to come with me to church. This is bad. You should leave now. <laughs> I really uh, had a we we had such a great time at the pastors conference um, this p- past week, uh, just spending time with your pastors um, with CB. Uh, we had about an hour together this week, just talking together as brothers in the Lord. I love this man's joy in Jesus Christ. He served us so well at our men's retreat this year. And uh, so he is a dear brother to me. I had lunch with Ben 
Um, and just to hear him and how God is continuing to work in his heart and do good things in Ben and then uh, with John to, to hear the, the rowdy affirmation of that whole group of elders as we affirmed his ordination was just pleasure. It was pleasure and uh, I was so glad to be a part of it. And um, so we, we just, we're a family together, right? Amen. We, we have, we are the body of Christ together. And, um, and it was great to see that this week as we were in, uh, Louisville together. Or where were we? Indianapolis. I don't even remember where we are. Well, I want to, I want to give you a little window, you know, um, you know, the speaker who shows up. Uh, I think it's always helpful if you learn a little bit about me. Um, the most important thing about me after the fact that I've been born again by Jesus Christ is that I have a wonderful wife of 24 years who is with me. Jules uh, is here today. And no, you don't have to applaud. It's okay. Um, what what I want to say to you is I love this girl and, and she's been with me uh, through so much. We have four kids. One's in college all the way down to 12 year olds. So we're we have um, we have in a few months, we'll have four teenagers. So can you pray for me, please? Four teenagers. This is nuts. Um, but it's great. We love it. And I also want to let you know, like, I'm one of those guys, you know, you know, pastors love uh, John Piper, right? I mean, you know about John Piper, my church. Like, can you please quote someone else? We're tired of here. Well, I've always wanted to meet Piper. And so uh, a story a few few years back, my pastoral team and I went to a conference where Piper was not thinking that we'd get to see him. So so um, I'm thinking I'm going to get to hear Piper speak. He just after my dad, he's the guy that I just I think like he's a living legend. And so um, so all of a sudden here, bring into my little brain, all of a sudden I'm walking somewhere and I'm going to the escalator to go down. I guess that's called the descalator, but I'm not sure. Anyway, I'm going down and he's coming up and, and like the moment is upon me. I get to meet the living legend, John Piper. So so here's what was going on in my mind. Like, I'm like, what do I call him? Like, I'm not going to say, hey, John, like I know him because I don't know him. He doesn't know me, so like I can't say that. So what do I call him? Um, Pastor Piper? And all that. that's that's lame. I'm not going to call him. Hey, Pastor, that's so impersonal. So I was like, well, he is a doctor, so I'll call him Doctor Piper. It's like, but he's not. I mean, that's not what he wants. To know. So you know, like a giddy school child, I'm like, the moment was upon me. I was like, oh, hi, Doctor John. I called him Doctor John, and he's like, hi. Can we get some security over here? <laughs> you know, I was like this weirdo and he kept walking because he was going somewhere. I don't blame him either because, you know, probably. So anyway, I had my opportunity to redeem myself this week at, at the Sovereign Grace Pastors Conference because he was there and my whole team has made fun of me for years because of my, uh, you know, flub with Dr. John. So before Monday night, before he spoke, um, I got to go up to Piper and just shake his hand and say, you know, you've been such a friend to me through your writing and through all that you do for the evangelical community. And, um, you know, I, I, it was so great to be there and to encourage this man of God. You know, there's something about um, being able to encourage people that makes us all. I believe the image of God is in us such that when we are an encouragement to someone, it, it lifts their hearts. And, and if they can see the Lord more clearly through our words, then that's a blessing. I think through the, that 90-second interaction with uh, John Piper, I think I was able to encourage him. So I left a blessed man. 
this morning as we jump into God's Word. That's the goal of, of God's intention for us this morning is to receive encouragement through His Word. And I want to invite you, if you would, turn with me to Psalm 131. Um, this is one of the shortest, may, may be the shortest. I didn't, I didn't Google it or anything, but it may be the shortest Psalm in the whole Bible. It's only three verses. But I pray that through these three verses, you would be encouraged today. You know, I, I, I prayed earlier this morning, Lord, get me out of the way that you might increase. May I decrease that, that you might increase and that we together would, would leave and say, oh, not say, oh, that was a, a, a good sermon, but oh, isn't your word good, Lord? Our focus this morning is on the word of God and the promises that he has for us. Because here's what I know about you. You might think I don't, I don't know anything about you and I may not know much, but I do know this. I do know that you, like me, have a lack of quietness in our soul at times. I do know that you, like me, there's noise inside your heart this morning. And that noise may evidence itself in, in a deep anxiety about different things. You know, we live in a country in an, in a culture that there's, there's just a lot of unrest. I mean, we're all thinking about the election. I know we are. We're, we're all in, in, in one sense, a, a spirit of unrest about politics. There's societal unrest. There's racial unrest in our country. There's international unrest. There's all kinds of unrest going on. And let me bring it a little closer to home. You know, we have, we have real relational unrest, do we not? Sometimes between husband and wife and, and son and father, mother and daughter. And sometimes in other ways, there's just relational unrest. There's financial unrest. We can lose sleep, you know, over our financial unrest and, and the insecurity that we feel at times with our jobs and, and many things and even spiritual unrest. And this psalm is given to you today by God to calm your soul. That we can leave here rested because we've been with our Lord. When we see God, when we see Him, you know what? The, the waters can rage all around us, but when we see the Lord and we, we experience His peace, all that raging can still be going on, but there can be this calm that defies description. Do you believe that? There's a calm that can defy description even though our circumstances may remain the same, God wants us to, to experience that calm. So that's, that's my hope. That's been my prayer this week as I've been anticipating this day and studying and putting my head in the Scripture. Oh Lord, has been my prayer. Oh Lord, would You bless us with a sight of Jesus this morning. So, uh, Psalm 131. I want to read it for you. Uh, let me remind you, this is God's holy and authoritative word. A song of a sense of David. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, 
hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Father, we have just been addressed by You through the pen of David. Lord, I pray that as we incline our hearts to Your Word this morning, that You would attune our minds to Your grace. Open up this Word before us, Lord. Help me to to represent You, Lord. And and open our hearts, Lord, from every person, for for the teenager here who's here this morning with with many things going on in their hearts, to those who are in various places in their lives. Lord, open our hearts to Your Word today. This is a supernatural act, and so we pray by the Spirit of God, open our hearts to Your Word today that we may go home different because we've been with You. So help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sometimes when we read the Scripture, and if we take the time to really dive into the context and the author, it helps us. It helps bring some things to life about the Word of God. And I want to take a moment to remind us of things you might you might already know about this psalm. As you see there at the top, it says, A Song of Ascent. So, so this was actually sung uh, on the way to the worship of God. This was a song that was rehearsed and sung. It was a song. It was written by David. What do we know about David? Well, David was a leader. David was the king of Israel. David was one who had real power in his hands invested to him by God himself. But David had power. David had control over many things. David had with that many worries, many concerns, many things. I mean, can you imagine running a country? Can you imagine the weight and the pressure and the decisions and all the things that that was on his mind? So David had a lot on his mind. Yet isn't it interesting that David through this psalm is, is really comparing himself to that of a freshly weaned child in the arms of its mother. Of a child that is, has learned contentment with being weaned off what they once demanded and has learned contentment. So, so David is this leader with huge responsibility. I doubt any of us have the kind of responsibilities that David had, yet he was like that weaned child being held by his mother as he looked at the Lord and as he received the comfort from the Lord, this was who David was. Notice what David is not. David's not edgy. He's not on edge in, in this psalm. He's not consumed with worry and fear. He he doesn't feel the need to just do more to, to satisfy his God or just, you know, we can also fall into those 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 categories. We just think, oh God, you're not happy with me, so let me do more. Let me occupy my No. He's He's at rest. He knows something about his God and it's, it's put him at rest. And, and while we identify who David is and who, what his life was like as, as he penned this psalm, I want to now invite you to identify yourself in this psalm. And I just want to ask you this morning, where, where is your heart? Where are your fears and anxieties and the things that can wake you up at night? Where are they? Where would you locate them? And I, I don't ask you to locate them because I want to say, oh, you shouldn't be worried about those things. I want to say, no, let's locate them and then ask God through this psalm to help us find means of grace, the means of grace, to then give those over to the Lord because I believe that's the intention of what God has for us today. So here's, here's the main point if you're a 
note taker, or if, even if you're not a note taker, here's what I want to get to today. If I were going to sum up this psalm in one concise sentence, here's what it would be. The Lord quiets the souls of those who hope in Him. Very simple. Nothing profound, but true. The Lord quiets the souls of those who hope in Him. We'll see this in three ways um, through these three verses. And so here we're going to just jump into the first, first point. Um, and that, that is, David, how does he do this? He, he renounces his pride. Verse 1 is his um, saying, I, I renounce the pride that, that every heart is attuned to. I think what David is, is saying in this first verse, and let me read it again for us. O oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. So this psalm is David's profession of humility before his God. David begins by declaring his he's taken his soul to task and he's humbled himself before his Lord. Again, remind yourself, this is King David. This is the one who has all kinds of power at his disposal. He he is the one who could be thinking of grand and glorious things like I want to conquer other nations. I want to build my kingdom. I'm not just content with my kingdom as it is. He's like, you know, maybe the temptation could have been to expand his kingdom. And he's saying, no, I'm not doing that. In fact, I've. I've quieted my soul. My, my heart is not lifted up. I'm not exalting myself. Though I'm a king, I'm, I'm humbling myself because I recognize that, that you, God, you're my Lord. I'm not the king. I may be the king of some people, but Lord, you're the king of my heart. And so I'm not going to occupy myself with, with thoughts of my own grandiose design. I, I'm humbling myself. Oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes, they're not raised too high. You know, the, the eyes are the, are the fountain of the soul. When you look in someone's eyes, you know, we have to be careful not to judge, but we can kind of get a little bit of a taste of, of what people are and what they're about, even by looking in their eyes. And he's saying, Lord, my eyes, they're not raised too high. I'm not too big in my own heart. I'm, I'm willfully saying, Lord, my life is yours. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and, and too marvelous for me. What he's not saying is, Lord, you have dreams and, and you have things you want for me. I'm not going to think about those things. No, he, he did want to do that. He did want to do great things for the glory of God. Here he's saying, I want to do the things, Lord, that you call me to. And so I'm not going to just jump way out ahead of you and make things happen, try to make it happen in my own, in my own um, effort and in my own doing. I'm going to humble myself before you. David Pallison, I don't know if you know that name, but he's an author. He's a counselor. He works down the road actually at Christian Counseling and Education Foundation, CCEF in Glenside. And he is a good brother. And he, he has a whole article on this, on this psalm. I, you know, if you Google it sometime and you will be helped by this article, but he brings out something in this article that I want to share with you that just helped me as I was thinking this through. He talks about the pride that every person has resident within them. Can we, can I, can we confess together this morning that we are proud people? Can we confess that? I am a proud man. 
And still, though, I'm asking God to root this stuff, like flush it, Lord, out of me. Just just hit that flush button and get this pride out of me. You know what? I'm, I'm just convinced that I will have the presence of pride in my heart until I meet my Savior when all that junk is going to be gone once and for all. Hallelujah. Can't wait to get there, right? Can't wait to be in that place when I'm looking at Jesus. And when I'm seeing His eyes. And He says, Hey, well done. Good and faithful servant. He's not going to say that because I've done this great job. He's going to say that because He's merciful. But but as I, I look at this pride in my life and I want to die to this pride, Paulison just helped me think about the contours of my pride. And he, he did it in two ways. He tried to isolate two forms of pride that I think we all struggle with. And and it's helpful to think about it this way. So he, he talked about boastful pride. This is this is the temptation of all of our hearts, is it not? To to think that we don't need the Lord. That's boastful pride. So when does boastful pride occur in our hearts? Often I think boastful pride occurs when life is just humming and things are going really well. And you know, you know when life is going well, do you know what probably your temptation if you're anything like me is? Well, you know, I, I'm not really sure that I... I need you, Lord. I'm not going to say that to you, but I'm going to act like I don't really need you. Like, you know, maybe I don't need to read the Word so often. I'd like that extra 20 minutes of sleep. Maybe I don't need to go to Bible study or care group this week. You know, I'm, I'm doing just fine. There's, there's, there's boastful pride and it can be the most subtle thing in our heart. None of us drift toward the Lord. If anything, we, we drift away and, and I just find my heart in my own self-sufficiency. I mean, I just drift here. I evidenced my drift by my neglect at times. You know, I'm a pastor and I can neglect tending to my own soul with the Word of God. I can neglect that. And, and it's boastful pride. And, and so boastful pride on this one side says, Hey God, you know, I, I don't really need you. And so I'm not really going to attend to you as much. Um, the other side can be, you know, self-pitying pride. Um, self-pitying pride is, you know, like how is self-pity pride? Have you ever thought that before? Like self-pity, if you're feeling bad for yourself, how is that pride? It doesn't really feel like pride. Well, self-pity is pride because of what it declares, right? Self-pity says, God, you have forgotten me. You have left go of me. You have forgotten about the fact that that I'm in a tough situation and evidently God you don't care and therefore you're not feeling sorry for me so I'm going to feel sorry for me I deserve better I confess it's me too I've got boastful pride in me I've got self-pitying pride in me and they both are an expression of unbelief do you see that? One is saying, hey, I don't, I don't really need you. Things are going fine. I mean, David as a king, I'm sure he could, he had that temptation. Like, hey, I am the king. What I say uh, goes. And therefore, you know, I'm sure he had that temptation. Um, I'm sure he also had this temptation toward the self-pitying pride as well. And so as as David is is saying here, here here's Lord what, I, what I'm not doing. I'm not giving way to this this boastful pride in my heart. I'm not lifting my heart up too much. I recognize who I am. I recognize that that You're my Lord. And that though there may be things that descend upon my life, 
Though the contours of my life may not be pleasant right now, Lord, I'm recognizing that You're my King, that You're in charge, and that You can do whatever You want. I've not lifted my my heart up too too high. My my eyes, they're not raised too high. I don't occupy my things that are too great for me. So he's saying, Lord, I'm just humbling myself now. I'm putting myself under Your authority. And I say, Lord, You are in control. I want to ask you, is that hard for you to do this morning? With that situation or that circumstance that, that may be coming to mind where, where you do have anxiety or you do have fear, or you, that it's just unknown and you don't know what lies ahead. Is it hard to, to just say, Lord, I acknowledge that you're in control. I'm not going to go ahead of you. I'm going to stay with you and just say, Lord, this isn't what I want. This is not what I want, but I'm going to trust you and my trust in you is going to evidence itself in not thinking too much about myself and not putting myself out there or trying to control the situation as it occurs before me. Um, so CB mentioned my family, you know, um, uh, almost two years ago, uh, it was discovered in my youngest son, Micah, he's 12 years old. He is a sweet kid. Um, but all of a sudden, uh, we were at the chiropractor one day and he bumped his arm. He wasn't getting adjusted, but, um, but he bumped his arm and the chiropractor looked at the way Micah responded, uh, and said, Hey, can I check your, your joints out? And he just thought something was strange. Well, long story short, Micah has juvenile idiopathic arthritis, which means they don't exactly know what's going on, uh, but he's got uh, arthritis in many of his joints. So immediately, uh, we went down to CHOP and, and they said, okay, you gotta go on chemo. Um, so every Wednesday for the past over year and a half, somewhere between a year and a half and two years now, uh, every Wednesday night we give him chemotherapy injections. Um, lately we've been doing it through a pill form, but, but why I say this is because there is nothing, and let me just speak to parents, there is nothing like watching your kids suffer. Injecting, and I'm not trying to be dramatic, this is just real. Injecting poison, which is what that chemotherapy is, it's poison. Injecting poison into your son every week. Week after week after week. Some weeks when he would run around the house, deliriously running away from us as we were trying to walk toward him with a needle in our hand. How do you do that? Your son is running from you, the very one that you want to comfort and give aid to is running from you. When you get to that place where you say, Lord, I, I can't stand this situation. I hate this situation to the degree that it's so hard on my son. But you know what this is teaching us as we still are giving him chemotherapy week by week? As we just had a meeting in Philadelphia two weeks ago and the doctor is saying, yeah, I'm not quite producing the results. The, the end is not in sight. There's a lot of unknowns. One doctor said, yeah, your kid could be in a wheelchair for the rest of his life when he's 20 years old. What do we do with that if we don't know and don't trust the Lord? 
Honestly, I, I, I said that to one of the guys as we were praying in the office earlier this morning. I said, I don't know how you face things like that without the comfort of the Lord. I don't know. I wouldn't want to try it. Because apart from the Lord and apart from recognizing that He is in sovereign control of everything in my life, including the health of my son, if I didn't believe that with all of my gut, I wouldn't want to get out of bed this morning. But I do believe it by the grace of God. Therefore, we have hope. Because we know the one who stands in control of chemotherapy. We know the one who stands in control of cancer. We know the one who stands in control of anything that this life throws at you. The Lord stands in control. And so I, I humble myself as I read this psalm. It's like, Lord, I may not be David. I certainly am not the author of some kingdom. I haven't written scripture, but, but I identify myself in this psalm and I say, Lord, Lord, my heart is not Lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. Lord, I don't like this chemotherapy regimen. I want to be done with it yesterday. But you're God. And I fall on my knees. And I say, Lord, I trust you. Even though I want this to go away in the worst way. So this, this word this morning, this isn't some just preaching assignment for me. This is personal. This is, I think you're getting a sense of that as, as we're talking together. Paulison says this. This was a helpful quote to me. He says, most of the noise in our souls is generated by trying to control the uncontrollable. We grasp after the wind. We rage and fear, and finally, despair. The very next section goes on to talk about the hope in the Lord, but, but apart from the Lord, this is what we do. We, we grasp after the wind. We rage in fear, and, and we, we give in to despair. If, if we're not holding on to the Lord, what are we holding on to? Every one of us is confronted with difficult things. You may not be walking through what, what my family's walking through. Praise God, I, I hope you never do. But I do know this about you because you're human. You will, you will experience difficulty at some point in your life. Not because God isn't good, but because you're human. And that's what it means to be human. We will encounter the fallenness of our sinful world. And when that phone call comes, when the doctor's report comes, where will you look? What are you going to hold on to? It's not to try and control it, you know. The number of times after giving that, my son that shot, you know, as I walked out to the garage where we had to keep the container of the needles and every week, every week I would just go out there and, and just cry. And then one, one day I, I, I just, I just cried out to the Lord. I said, Lord, I, I just relinquish. It was a sweet moment. I just relinquish. Any sense of control here at all. I can't do it anyway. My anxieties and my fears, they're not going to change a blessed thing. In fact, well, that's not true. They will change me. But I can't change my son. I can't change what's going on. So I don't know. I don't know the future. But I do know the God who does know the future. And if God loved me, and if God loved you enough to send His Son, Jesus Christ, 
to the cross to die that you and I might be forgiven, how is He not going to care for my son Micah? How is He not going to care for you in your situation? How is He not? Is it possible that God could love us to sacrifice His own Son and then say, oh yeah, you're on your own. Sorry. You're on your own. That is not God. That is not God. So we say we humble ourselves. I mean, I like to be humbled under the Word of God. And I'm humbled this morning as I look at this passage and say, oh Lord, this is my posture. I want this posture. Lord, my heart is not, is not lifted up. Lord, I'm, I'm just going to humble myself and say, You are the one who's in control. So I renounce that pride together. And I said, Lord, I'm not going to go to boastful pride. I'm not going to go to self-pity and, and, and demand something from You. And when You don't, when you don't answer in the way, then, then I'm just going to say, well, God, you know, just get angry at God and, and be sulking in the corner. I'm not going to do that by the grace of God. I'm going to say, Lord, I'm, I'm not too high. I'm not going to occupy my heart and demand things from You. But instead, I'm going to sit at Your feet. And that, that brings us to verse 2. Look at verse 2 with me. I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Under this second point, I've titled it Embracing God's Promise. And you might think, well, uh, I'm looking at verse 2 and I don't exactly see a promise there, so why did I call it that? Well, there is an inherent promise in verse 2. And that is this. In the, and he's using this illustration from God's natural order of creation to help us see the promise. He says, in the same way that God provides for the nourishment of a baby through a mother's milk, so God promises to provide for our every need. And when we learn to trust Him, dear friends, when we learn this contentment, when we learn that, that He is going to give us everything that we need, then we can sit contentedly like a child in a mother's lap. So often we think about God as male and He is God the Father. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting anything but that. But, all of the characteristics, you remember you know, God said in Genesis that He created them male and female in His image. And so, so I just want to say that, that you women in the room, when you are fully female before God, you are reflecting God in the same way that men, when we stand up and be men before the Lord, we are reflecting God. So though God is Father, um, the image of God is born perfectly as a male and a female as you live for the glory of God. And, and this imagery, I mean, isn't it interesting? David is using female imagery um, to talk about the comfort of the Lord. I mean, if you picture in your mind a mother who's nursing their child, um, a mother, I mean, I watched this with, with my four kids and my wife, you know, he's just like, this is a moment of pure joy. Now, they're, not every moment was a moment of pure joy, right, Jules? Look like, out! Would you stop that? You know, you know, it's not always pure joy, but, but basically it's a moment of pure joy as, as there's that opportunity to feed and nourish and bless that child. That's the imagery that I think God wants you to have today. That God intends that He feed and nourish and care for you. But He also intends for us to see something else. 
that the way God feeds and nourishes and tends to us, it, it does take different forms. Because after your infancy in the Lord, there is growth. And you will be weaned off that initial pattern and, and way that God wants to nourish you. In other words, He wants to move you on from milk to meat. He wants to move you forward in, in growth. And, and so this is not only a, a statement about the nourishment that God provides, um, it's also a statement about the growth that He provides. Because one day, one day there comes a day when the infant is no longer satisfied with the milk. The infant, the child, wants to move forward. Wants to take meat on. Wants to enjoy something different. And God has that for us as we learn contentment and as we sit at His feet. His provision is for us. You know, as I was thinking about this, this child and, and the process of becoming weaned, you know, um, I don't know that anyone has had an easy time. Any mother has a, had an easy time of weaning their children. Most of the time, I mean, what did infants do when they want something? I mean, they want it now, right? And they're going to cry and, and, and let you know in no uncertain terms that now's the time I want to be fed. I think about my own soul. I wonder about your soul. Right now, is there any way that you're acting like an unweaned child? And you're just demanding, God, you've got to work, and you've got to work now. And when what you're asking for, it may be the best thing that you're asking for, but when it doesn't come, are you acting like I can act? Like a child that's just demanding and saying, give it to me now. Come on. I want it. It's a good thing I'm asking for. No, there's a process. It's learning contentment. Listen to Matthew Henry um, as he as he talks about this weaned child. The child is perhaps cross and fretful while it is in the weaning and thinks itself undone when it has lost the milk. But in a day or two, it is forgotten. The fret is over. And it accommodates itself well enough to a new way of feeding. That's what I want to highlight for us. A new way of feeding. And cares no longer for the milk, but can bear strong meat. Thus, does a gracious soul quiet itself under the loss of that which it loved and disappointment in that which it hoped for and is easy whatever happens and lives comfortably upon God and His covenant of grace. There's a lot there. What do I want to highlight in that quote? It's this. That sometimes the very thing I'm craving, the very nourishment that I think is going to be the absolute best thing, and I'm, I'm kind of demanding that from God. Do you know what? Sometimes the most loving thing for God to do is say, no. No, I'm moving you on to meat. You're craving something that's milk. And in my wisdom, I want you to grow. You don't need milk anymore. I'm giving you meat. So you're crying out for more milk, more milk, like an unweaned child. And God is saying, no. Can we receive that from the Lord? Can you receive that from the Lord in the situation that comes to mind as, 
Uh, those situations, again, that just cause us the burden of anxiety. Uh, all anxiety is is an expression of unbelief. And we'll, we'll get to that in a minute to help us to, to be released from that. But, but God is moving us from, from milk to meat. And as you pray, oh God hears every, I just want to affirm to you, God hears every prayer of ours. Every prayer God hears. But in His kindness and in His wisdom, sometimes the best answer that He can give us is no. So, let me go back and illustrate personally. For my son Micah, have I gathered people at church and asked the pastoral team to anoint him with oil and and pray in Jesus' name and the power of the blood of Christ? Have I asked people to pray? Yes! We've done it many times. One, one, I mean, we have such a loving church. One, one Wednesday night, I walked by the front door of my house. This just humbles me. I have a very small, not, you know, half of, half of this, no, about this width, front step on my porch. And there were like a dozen people standing right there, squished together on the front door, right in front of the front door of my house. At the time when we were given the shot, because we gave them the shot every time, same time every week. I walked by the front door and I was like, what are those people doing? I just looked for a second. They were just crying out to God for us. What an expression of the kindness of the church. We have prayed and prayed and prayed that God would deliver this. But it, up to this point, He said no. No. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know the future. I can wake up in the middle of the night wondering about what the future is for my son. I love him dearly. But there is such peace, dear friends. If you don't hear anything else, please hear this from the Word of God and me just some simple testimony to it. When we know that God has us, it carries. It sustains. It helps me sleep at night and say, Lord, please heal my son. But if you choose not to, I receive that because I know you're good and I know you're in control. And I also know that you could reverse this at any second at any time in the day. And so I am going to trust you, Lord. Now, don't don't get the impression I do this well. I'm just telling you that's what I'm trying to do. Right. That's what I'm trying to do. It's a walk of faith. And I'm learning, I'm learning how to learn contentment when I'm craving. And maybe what I'm asking for is another drop of milk and God's saying, nope, I'm going to give you meat. You don't even see how this is going to come. So maybe, but I'm trying to learn contentment in my Lord. And, um, CB, what do I, when do I have until, sorry. You guys close like about now? couple minutes. Okay. Thank you. Third thing. Third verse. Let me just draw your eyes there. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. So, uh, Israel is the church, the people of God. Okay? So, this is being addressed to the people of God. And if you're numbered among the people of God this morning, then this is the prescription for you, if you want to be like that weaned child, if you want to not raise your heart too, too high, here's the prescription for our help and our hope. Oh, Israel, 
hope in the Lord. Hope there. That's where it lands and it, and it stays. And, and in fact, I want to draw our attention to what, what does he say? Oh, Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. So there's this, there's this sense of, okay, hope today and then hope for tomorrow. Hope today and then hope for tomorrow. So, so what, what is, what does this word speak to us for today? I just want to bring you back again, that anxiety, that, that tension that you feel in your heart, um, about Certain events and certain things, things haven't fallen into place like you've wanted them to. Um, God is here to say, hope today. Just be done with it. Hope today. Put your hope in Him today. And I'm not trying to be a simpleton and say, suggest that you haven't done this, uh, in the past. What I am saying is, today is the day for real hope. Amen? Today is the day for real hope. Vibrant hope. Hope that that turns a smile on your face. I know what it's like to not have a smile. Hope gives a smile as we put our trust in the Lord today. Um, our fears are, are always ready to pounce. Do you feel that? Do you feel that? Like fear is just like loving to pounce on us. Okay, I'm not going to go political, but I'll just say, you know, like I got fears for our country. In the future, and I'm not trying to be a bummer man, but it's like, wow, how did we get here? Like, I have fears for the future, right? If you have kids, you do too. You have an eye to see. Now, I trust the Lord with all that, but you know, we have fears. We have fears in other ways that just crop up, and and fear loves to pounce on us and loves to control us. Um, another guy that um, actually I had to meet this week, but uh, John Bloom, the director of Desiring God, which is wonderful. Here's what he says about fears. Our fears for the future are immensely unreliable. We are fools if we allow them to govern us. God completely knows the future, so we are wise to trust Him with it. Amen. God knows the future. I don't know the future. So for me to ruminate and toss over all these fears of what could be, like what good does that do me? What good? No good. In fact, uh, our fears and and just allowing them to take control of my heart is just an expression, dear friends. Hear this in the way I, in the encouraging way I intend it. Anxiety, when we just give in to those anxieties and fears, it's just an expression of unbelief. How? Because our anxiety says to God, Lord, I'm concerned about the future. Um, you might be in control, but I'm not recognizing your control because uh, evidently I, I question whether you're going to be good to me in the future. So anxiety, fear, giving in to those things, uh, that's just an expression of my unbelief in God for the future. So me and you taking faith in God's word today means that we say no to fear. Is we know to anxiety. I, I, I recognize it's not that simple sometimes. I'm just saying the principle of what, what David is trying to get us like, no, we, we don't lift our head up too high. We don't try to control the future. We say, no, we're going to rest in hope because God knows the future and not us. And resting in hope helps us, helps us to just trust Him. So I, I do want to close. Um, I want to, I want to ask you. I want to ask you to humble yourself before your Lord. And, and in a moment, I just want to give you a little space to pray. And I want to ask you to say, ask the Lord, 
Lord, where are you isolating in my heart my greatest anxiety and fear? And Lord, would you grant me faith now to put those anxieties, that place of fear, Lord, would you help me to put it in your hands and then leave it there? Lord, would you grant me the ability to do that? Let me read to you finally this this song that was sung in the 1700s written by a dear woman. She says, Be still, my soul. Your God does undertake to guide the future as He has the past. Your hope, your confidence, let nothing shake. All now mysterious shall be bright as last. Hear that one. All now mysterious shall be bright as la- at last. Be still, my soul. The waves and winds still know His voice who rules them while He dwelt below. The Jesus that commanded the wind and the waves when the disciples were freaking out. The Jesus that commanded those things to be still, and they were, is still the God that can say to the situation in your life, be still, be done. It's cared for. Our simple, humble response today, dear friends, is to say, Lord, I trust You. I'm going to receive what You have for me. I'm going to wean myself off demanding my answers to my prayers. And I'm going to say, Lord, I trust You. So here's what I want to ask you to do. Could you just take a moment and in the quietness of your own heart, if you need to close your eyes to do this, do that. But I believe the Lord wants to encourage you today and wants to help you today and to move you, in fact, move you along today, getting you off the milk and moving you toward meat. And as you say, yes, Lord, I I just commit this to you. Lord, help me to walk in faith as I trust you. I believe the Lord wants to do that. So would you just take a moment and ask the Lord for clarity in your heart? And then I'm going to pray and we'll commit ourselves together to the Lord. So could you do that? Take a moment. Let's pray. Father, there are likely many things that come to mind in our hearts as we humble ourselves before You today. Whether it be about our family or our future or our vocation or a relationship that is damaged and even seems irreparable at this point. Lord, we are people that are racked at times with anxieties and fears and worries about the future. And we say, Lord, we trust You now. As we look into Your Word, Lord, we say we trust You. 
We trust You with our future, Lord. We trust You with our children, Lord. We trust You as we're heading into retirement, maybe for some of us, and and what we thought we had, we don't have, and we don't know where all the provisions going to come from. Lord, we trust You. And we pray, Father, that You would build our faith today. That You would strengthen us. That when the wiles of the temptations of anxiety and fear next time they they come to us, would You grant us faith to say, no, I'm not going to give way to anxiety and fear because that's not believing Your promise. And in its place, Lord, would You grant us a growing faith that believes You and trusts You and clings fast to You because You are worthy of our trust. If You gave Jesus Christ Your own Son, Lord, You are worthy of our trust. And so we say as Your people this morning, Lord, we trust You. And we give our anxieties and we give You our fears and we give You all of the unknowns that keep us up at night. Lord, we give them to You because You are worthy of our trust. We pray this together as we sit under the authority of Your Word as it has spoken to us this morning. And we give You great praise. We say this together in Jesus' name. Amen. I asked Jeremy just to stay here for a moment. It was such a wonderful prayer to close. And there was a sense from the Holy Spirit of just that the Lord wants to to still and calm and quiet the soul of all of us here who felt very much like the Lord just touched our hearts with the point of when He was talking about unrest. And if you look inside of yourself right now, if you're honest, you just see so much unrest. And... uh you know that's that's life in this fallen world, isn't it? Isn't it? Um, and we need prayer. And uh, so, Jeremy, I'd like to ask for you just to pray for all of us who just there's unrest of soul, just for the Lord to still and quiet our souls. And I'd like to ask for all of us to act, you know just those of us who feel like we need prayer in that at this moment. Would you please lift your hand and for uh, as you're lifting your hand up. Uh, for those who are around you, who just who see that, would you please lay hands on your 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 friend, your loved one? Maybe it's somebody you don't even know yet. But as a church family, let us rally around each other as family, so that uh, we can we can gather around and pray for one another. You would just say there's a lot of unrest, and you just desire for God to still calm and quiet your soul. Would you lift your hand up high? Thank you so much for your honesty. I'm actually one of the ones who's lifting my hand. I'm going to actually be prayed for as well because I just feel like it's an area I want to. I want the Lord to touch. Anybody else would like prayer? Good. Keep those hands up. Uh, can we gather around these individuals? Uh, slide over if you can and just, and, uh, uh keep your hand up high. Those who need prayer. Jeremy's going to pray for us in just a moment. And, um, let's ask for the Holy Spirit as we're laying hands on our brothers and sisters in Christ just to, to touch our dear brothers and sisters and, and bring calm and quiet and comfort to their soul. Thanks, Jeremy.
O Lord, together, we come to You now receiving this invitation from Your hand, from Your Word this morning, to humble ourselves before our God. Lord, You resist, in fact, the proud, but give grace to the humble. And so, we humble ourselves before You now, Lord. We recognize our need. And in recognizing our need, we now come to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and help in our time of need. And Lord, I would venture to guess that every one of us in this room is in a time of need. But there are some that are in a particular time of need. And now we pray for them that You would fill us together, fill every believer with the Holy Spirit, that You might come upon us in such a way as to cause the Spirit's ministry in our hearts to crash over those anxieties and crash over those fears and fill us with the presence of God. That we may experience the peace that truly does pass understanding. That as we cast our cares to You even now, Lord, You are lightening the load as we say, Lord, we are so fearful about this, but we just give it to You, Lord. We give it to You and there is great release in coming and giving it to You now. And so, Lord, we just give those things to You. Together, Lord. Because You're inviting us. Because You love us. Because You want to have fellowship with us. Even in the midst of our anxieties and our fears, which can grip us so much, they can actually paralyze us. So, Lord, would You help us with a sweet release as we give You these things now. Lord, just take them. Take them from us. We know we have an enemy who is going to want to bring them back. And so, Lord, when that time comes, we pray for again a sweet release from You that we would just release them out to Your hands and to Your shoulders. We're not intended to carry these things. Lord, they were meant for Your shoulders, not ours. And so, God, we just give them to You now. Pray that You would fortify us and strengthen us and encourage us. And may we encourage also one another as we see Your good work, as we see faith grow in one another. May we be a church that builds up and edifies and and speaks a better word. Lord, may we encourage one another as we all the more see the day approaching. So, Lord, we give You these fears. We give You these burdens. Take them now, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Excellent. Church, I know this would be your heart as well. I'd like to just close our service with uh, a word of prayer for uh, Jeremy and uh, Julie. So maybe uh, Damian Preston, if you guys would come forward here and uh, some guys that are towards the front, maybe some ladies, if you come and just pray for for Julie, feel free to come and put your hands on them as we pray for them and their family. Jeremy referenced Isaiah 46, verse 10, and I'm just going to read this verse over them at this time. Isaiah 46, 10. Remember this and stand firm. Recall to mind, you transgressors, remember the former things of old. For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, 
and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. Church, would you, would you pray together with me for this couple and for Micah and their family? Lord, this season has represented so much transition. When I think of their, their oldest daughter going off to college in her freshman year now, be with her right now. Jeremy and Julie are feeling uh, that there's just so much need. And their hearts also are burdened about their other two children. And then their youngest, Micah. Lord, we lift this young man up to you. And we ask for you to have mercy on him. As they have prayed many times before, we together as a congregation pray for them now. Holy Spirit, would you comfort Jeremy and Julie with supernatural comfort right now, Lord. And Lord, would you please move in power, Holy Spirit, to heal this little boy. Heal him in the name of Jesus, we pray. Drive this sickness from him. We pray that, Lord, as the doctors have said, this could happen when he's 20. Lord, we ask, would you show mercy? Would 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 you heal him so that that does not happen? Would you protect them from the way lines like that can come and plague on a mom's fears and plague on a on a father's fears and anxieties? Have mercy on Micah himself. And God, would you draw him closer and closer to yourself? Lord, I pray that you would, if he's not already saved, would you save him? Would you save the other three children if they're not yet saved? If they are, God, please, far from times like this can tempt us to doubt you, Lord. I pray far from that, God, strengthen the faith of the entire family in you. Lord, let it be like steel inside of their soul that they, that there's a resolve that grows firmer and firmer and firmer underneath of Your sovereign plan, Lord God. And as they they weep tears of joy, let it be that it only sets the steel stronger in their soul. And as they cry tears of sorrow under the pains of this fallen world, let it be that it only causes their resolve to hold fast to Christ to grow stronger. We thank You so much, God, that You understand what it's like to have a son suffer. Thank You so much for Your mercy, Heavenly Father, that Lord, You understand. You know. You know what it's like to see Your Son in agony, Lord. You know what it's like for Him to cry out and to cry out, Father, if it's possible, take this cup from Me. And yet, Lord, You knew that if You took that cup from Your Son, Lord, none of us would be here saved. All of us would have to drink the cup of Your wrath had You not given it to Your Son to drink in our place on the cross. And so, we just want to thank You for being that kind of God who understands our darkest hours and our darkest needs and our darkest fears. And You understand the temptations, but we thank You so much, Almighty God, that nothing stopped Your determination to save us, Your children. And we know that You not sparing Your own Son, it, it preaches to us, like Jeremy said, it preaches to us that even with all that we're going through with our family, with our kids, with our extended family, with loved ones, friends, difficult situations, trials at work, trials all around us, Lord, we know Your heart. You have proven that You have loved us. Yeah, you have yeah. demonstrated that You have loved us because You did not spare Your only Son, but You freely gave Him up for us all. And how will You not also along with Him graciously give us all things. We look to You as a congregation. We pray, Holy Spirit, for Your power over this couple and over Micah 
And we pray for your power over us as a church family. Help us, Almighty God, to be calmed and stilled and quieted like a weaned child before his mother. Before a weaned child, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Almighty God, may this mark our congregation and may you drive off even right now in the name of Jesus our fears and our anxieties and our burdens as we cast them onto you in faith together. We love you, Almighty God. You are good. You are good. You are good. And we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Oh, brothers and sisters in Christ, like Jeremy said, aren't you so glad that we are not going through this without Christ? We have Him, don't we? Aren't you so thankful? What a comforter. What a friend. What a God. Aren't we so blessed to have Him in our hearts and in our lives? Can we just thank Him for the comfort that He gives time and time again? If you get a chance to encourage uh, Jeremy and Julie on your way out, feel free to do so. They are a wonderful couple and dear friends, and they would love to meet you. Um, Church, thank you so much for your love for Christ. And I believe God did something sweet in us this morning, didn't he? He's an awesome God. Have a wonderful week, and God bless you.